Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I am your host of the Pin and a Napkin Podcast, the weekly coaching clinic that you can carry around with you in your pocket. Welcome to interview episode number 57, and I am really, really excited to have a coaching legend from Northwest Iowa here, Lauren DeYoung, the head boys basketball coach at MOC Floyd Valley, or Morris Orange City, for those of you that don't know what MOC stands for. Uh, but before we get to Coach DeYoung here, uh, of course we want to recognize our sponsor, Cossack Chiropractic, which is located at 14450 Eagle Run Drive here in Omaha which is just off of 144th and Maple. Uh, coaches, if you have an athlete who is struggling with balanced neck or spinal issues, have them go see Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi at Cossack Chiropractic. You can check out their practice at CossackChiro.com, K-O-S-A-K-C-H-I-R-O.com, or give them a call at 402-964-0300. Just be sure to let them know that a pen and a napkin sent you. Follow our Twitter handle, a pen and a napkin. We try to put out daily coaching tidbits on a pen and a napkin, so be sure to follow us there. Obviously, if you're listening, uh, please follow us, like, rate, and review on SoundCloud or iTunes. Give us a five-star rating. Again, all we want to do with a pen and a napkin is to help coaches hone their craft. And if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, please email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. But enough about a pen and a napkin. Coach Lauren DeYoung, how are you doing this fine Sunday, late Sunday morning? Shouldn't be doing any better. The the fall colors are spectacular, and uh, <clears throat> with the weather change, and uh, that's a definite sign that something's around the corner that we're all excited about. <laughs> yeah, my wife calls it single mom season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well yeah i think uh, I, we're we're ready to go um you know everybody's trying to move back to a sense of normalcy um and and one of those things that helps both our our kids um and and ourselves as adults and as parents to to have some normalcy in our lives is finding a way to to get our kids active in athletics and activities and we're Really hoping that we can we can continue things moving forward here and and have a and have a good winter sports season. Um, I, I know uh, COVID cases have been on the rise uh, in Sioux County. What's kind of been the uh, you know the vibe on things? Are are they are they feeling like everything's going to be able to move forward? Because um, I know how important growing up there. I know how important uh, high school basketball is to Northwest Iowa. Yeah. It's a great question, and um, to be honest with you, I've had a really hard time getting excited about the season um, over the last four or five months because of the uncertainty of everything, and, uh, you know, not wanting to get my hopes up, and, Mm -hmm. you know, I have asked, so I've been very cautious, but uh, I think our governor in the state of Iowa the way that she has managed this whole thing in our athletic association um, I'm I'm convinced it's a go that's why I'm really excited mm-hmm. uh, and uh, now what it looks like and how it unfolds I think is anybody's guess and if there's some delays or some pauses in there or 
hey, we've got three or four guys out, you know, all those are in play, but hey, <clears throat> sports are such an incredible tool in uh, the lives of kids and, and coaches, and I know for myself, I just get so excited watching the Hawkeyes play or Big Ten football, mm-hmm. or just to have um, something that I can forget about politics and pandemics and everything else and just um, pour myself into competition and teamwork and um, intensity. Uh, it's just fun. Yeah. Well, you have definitely poured yourself into it here, you know, 30 years as a head coach altogether, all but one of those years in Orange City uh, as a head coach. Uh, just your resume speaks for itself, Coach. Um, you know, over 500 wins, eight state tournaments, a state championship in, in 2006. Uh, maybe the most impressive stat, 15 Siouxland Conference titles. That's like almost winning you know, I don't know what's more impressive, winning one state championship or winning 15 conference championships because that is, for my money, maybe the best uh, basketball, boys basketball conference in, in the Midwest for schools of that size. It, it'd be hard-pressed to find better high school basketball for uh, schools of, of with classes of anywhere from 40 to 70-ish kids and and. You know, it's it's just got to get your competitive juices going every year, knowing that you're going to be going against great programs night in and night out in your conference slate with Sioux Center and Boyden Hall and you know Western Christian as non-conference games and and stuff like that. You know, you you've got to uh, you've got to bring your A game every night, don't you, Coach? Wow, <laughs> A game might even be underselling <laughs> the A plus game. Yeah, you got to bring your A game and probably got to have some breaks along the way. But it's a, it's a fantastic conference, and Sioux County in northwest Iowa is a fabulous place to play. The fans are, uh, they just, nothing else to do. It's cold, and basketball means a lot to them, and high high quality athletes um, I can't tell you in particular you know but in our area we've had multiple um, professional football players come out of this area that of course we face on the basketball court and a lot of division one athletes and, and you know on top of all that <laughs> uh, the coaching in the Siouxland Conference is uh very high quality Mm -hmm. and I think there's been so many times that man I've walked away after a game and we might have won but the respect that I have for the opposing coach when the game is over is top notch because of everything we had to endure for 32 minutes Mm -hmm. what uh uh, you, you know, you reached a, a pretty significant milestone number uh, a, a few seasons ago, uh, 500 wins. Um, what what does that uh, did it did that make you feel like? Oh my goodness, this is is a, a, a great accomplishment, and I would have I would have never done this without great players. But also, just a, a point of 
of pride for you that you know we've we've built a really good program here we've had quality assistant coaches we've had quality kids and and i you know uh we we feel like we've done things the right way here for a long long time yeah i i really believe um the 500 wins are a reflection of our community. Mm-hmm. Um, Orange City, MOC, Floyd Valley, our surrounding communities here that make up our school. Um, and I tell you what, <clears throat> um, great people, hardworking, um, able to understand what it takes to be successful, which ultimately requires a lot of humility a lot of selflessness a lot of hard work um, a lot of dedication and uh, and then a real passion for life passion for people and um, you know I think the other thing it speaks to is uh, you know I've just been so fortunate. I've had so many people encouraging me along the way, supporting me. Um, our coaching staff mm-hmm. has been phenomenal. Uh, we've got two guys in particular. Scott Starkweather, believe it or not, as a middle school basketball coach, has uh, been with me for all 30 years here at, well, 29 or 30, I lose track. Um, <laughs> and been an incredible uh, teacher of the game and supporter and encourager. And uh, Brady Baker now for 10 or 12 years has been a player for us and now an assistant coach at the high school level. And, you know, um, coaching. Um, is a very hard profession. It's very demanding. And uh, it hasn't gotten easier. Mm-hmm. And uh, parents, um, I think many well-meaning parents, but can be very, very difficult. And uh, so to have people around you that believe in what's what we're doing, because they're included, we make it a... Um, it's a community effort and it's a community of ideas that we put together but you know having those guys there to communicate with parents and put out fires and Mm -hmm. communicate with players and put out fires uh, you know it's just really important and there have been a lot better coaches than me out there that haven't had that that have not lasted Mm -hmm. um and so it's it's a testimony to a lot of people, and I think the the older people in our community just value so much teamwork and hard work and seeing kids enjoy themselves. That carries a lot of weight too. Yeah. And, uh, so that that'd probably be my best answer. Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, Scott Starkweather. Uh, you guys have have been together longer than a lot of married couples, <laughs> you know, um, you know, what, what about his, uh, temperament? How do you guys complement each other so well, I guess would be the question. What, what are his strengths and, and, and your weaknesses that, and then your strengths and his weaknesses that, that meshes it to, to such a strong, uh, 
a, a strong team that has that has done so many good things over the last three decades. Yeah, well, first of all, I would say <clears throat> Scott Starkweather um, would be an outstanding head coach anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, tireless worker. He knows the game. Uh, he was taught the game by the legendary Bob Miller. And uh, so many, in fact, um, I spent a lot of time with Bob Miller picking his brain uh, because of Scott Starkweather. But, uh yeah, Scott knows the game so well, but I think his greatest attribute is um, he he brings out the best in people. So, you know, in eighth grade, seventh and eighth grade, you might have 20 or 30 kids playing basketball, and he's bringing the best out of the person and uh, at the same time helping them grow as an athlete. Uh, Scott brings the best out of me. Um, he knows how to encourage. Um, you know, in the Bible, they talk about a Barnabas who just encourages other people, and that's what he does well. Um, I can't tell you how many times along this journey I've wanted to hang it up and quit. <laughs> um, I think uh, I think every coach that's li- a head coach that's listening to this is nodding their head right now, coach. Yeah, yeah. And I say that not really so much about parents. I, I say that about we've invested a lot mm-hmm. of time and effort and energy in our kids and uh, our program and losing as hard, losing big games, losing tournament games is really, really hard. And I think if you're passionate and invested, it's very painful. Mm -hmm. It doesn't get easier. I thought maybe I would get used to it as time has gone on, but um, it doesn't get easier. So, yeah, last year we... We were in a very tough district in sub-state. Uh, Sergeant Bluff ended up getting second in the state, and we thought we had a shot. And we had an incredible group of guys to work with, and last game got done, and <clears throat> we lost a heartbreaker to Lamar's, and you know maybe a 50-50 game that, of course, as a coach, you think you should have won, and yep. our. Our seniors, we couldn't get them out of the locker room after the game. I think it was probably two hours, and they finally were able to walk out and leave. But so going back to Scott, you know, and I'm like, I can't do it anymore. It hurts too much. Yeah, as a way of just inspiring and uh, encouraging and helping me to see the big picture. And and then I think the other thing about Scott is he's so good with the fundamentals. Uh, we have so many kids that are fundamentally sound coming into our program, which then allows us to be a little creative and try to go to another level with what we could do with schemes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and and sometimes we get so caught up in the scheme that we forget that we need to implement the fundamentals so that we can execute the schemes. I think that's uh, with with the girth of information that we have available to us, that it that it's about the basics so that you can execute those things at the end of the day. Marty, that 
That is a very insightful comment. Um, I'm one of these old guys. I have no idea how to access all this technology. But, um, well, I got you on the phone, and I'm happy with that. So yeah, yeah, I'm thrilled with that. Um, but it was probably four or five years ago. I mean, all of a sudden, I'm being bombarded with you know emails and texts or whatever, and playing any offense or defense. And I'm such a learner. Like, I love to learn. I love to find out how things work and then see if they fit. But honestly, I think that hurt me as a coach. And uh, you nailed it. Um, I have really had to back off. I've had to set some really hard boundaries on how many videos I watch or how many notes I read about all the things that are out there. And uh, keep to the forefront the person, the player that I'm coaching comes first, <clears throat> their fundamentals, ability to dribble, pass, catch, shoot, defend, and rebound. And then, you know, kind of comes the fun part. And you're right, you got to be careful not to just skip to those schemes. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that, Coach. That's not bad from a kid from Sheldon Public Schools to, to get something there for you to, to bring back to Orange City with you tomorrow morning. So I'm, I'm going to take that feather and put it in my cap, all right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah there you go. Uh, what the heck's an ORAB? That's, that's the question I get a lot from my students when I, when I tell them about it. So um, two other guys that were really influential on you. We'll, take, uh, we'll talk about Todd Berry first and, and – uh, if, if you're from Northwest Iowa, you know all about Todd Berry and, and all of his accomplishments throughout his career. Um, one, of, uh, one of the great minds of, of my childhood, I know growing up and watching him coach at, at Orange City and then at Northwestern and then at my, my alma mater, Briarcliff, uh, just a great, great basketball coach. What are some things that you took? What are, what are some two or three key things that you took from, from Coach Berry? Well... Uh, um, you know, unfortunately, I never got to play for him. Unfortunately, I never got to coach with him. I, I th yeah, I think what Todd Berry did is he established a mindset and a mentality in this community um, that it takes hard work and dedication and teamwork. Um, <clears throat> Orange City, MOC, had struggled uh, in basketball for many years, and man, he just took it to another level, and uh, so it was just really fun for me to be able to come into a community that had high expectations. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other thing is, um, he made such an impact just in our school and uh, the kids within there. And so coming from Western Christian, um, I could really just kind of pick up from where we left off. Um, and I think his focus on the person, uh, on the athlete and their value, um, you know, those two things, I think have been, just been very, very instrumental. And to be honest with you, um, I didn't want to let him down. Um, I know what it took. Uh, to get this program rolling, and uh, I just really wanted to make him proud, and 
try to build on what he began and uh, you know he started something called the Great Iowa Shootout oh yeah good old summer tournament and uh, sponsored by the Pizza Ranch yep yeah yep. and just run by a high school and um, that thing's been going for 35 years and I, I don't think there's any tournament that's been around that long and uh, it would have been 36 this year had it not been for COVID mm-hmm. um, but he set it up so well, organized it so well, I could just kind of take it and run with it and um, yeah, I would just say just establish a great foundation yeah. I think half of my wardrobe as a high school uh, kid was great Iowa shootout t-shirts yeah, they are in a very hot commodity. <laughs> Absolutely. So, uh, last last influence that uh, in your career I want to talk about, of course, uh, just as legendary as, as Coach Barry is Jimmy Coff from Hull Western Christian. You know, you get the you were fortunate to be on his staff for a time as assistant coach. Uh, just you know. What about Coach Ekoff that, that, again, kind of the same thing, two or three things that, that you took from him that has been really influential on your career? Yeah, well, no doubt, single biggest impact on me is uh, probably a person and a coach as a young man growing up. <clears throat> Most people don't know this, but his first year at Western Christian, um, his first four years, he was the freshman and JV basketball coach. And, uh, I was a freshman, so I got to play freshman, mm-hmm. uh, and our practice was during the lunch hour, and then <laughs> JV practice after school, and I was fortunate enough to play freshman in JV that year. So I had him twice a day, about three and a half hours, um, and then my sophomore year, I got to play for him again as a JV player. And then my junior and senior year, I was his freshman assistant coach um, as a high school student. And then, um, yeah, after college, I was one year in Montana. And then I spent four more years in the same office with Jimmy Goff. And uh, I really learned a couple of things. Number one, it takes a lot of hard work. Uh, players more than anything have to play really, really hard, um, really hard. And uh, I think the other thing is, if if you don't rebound, you you might as well forget it. Uh-huh. Um, so I've I've tried to take those things, and he was the master at keeping things simple. And uh, that's. Um, something that I think I've gotten better and better at over the course of time is just still trying to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting you bring that up. Um, I, I think you're reading my notes from a couple hours away here because you, you, you don't do this for as long as you have without making adjustments and evolving a little bit. And as I was researching for this morning i I thought it was interesting you you had a couple of career uh turns um one of them was in the mid 90s uh you said that uh you felt like you weren't connecting with the kids as well as you had uh, the the few years before that because maybe you were being 
too demanding. You know, uh, can you kind of, you know, uh, talk to us about that a little bit and, and, and that adjustment uh, during that time period? Jeez, Marty, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> Google's, Google's a wonderful thing, Coach. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll answer it a couple of ways. Um, you talked about, you know, all the victories. I think um, one of the keys in that process has been able to adjust. And uh, to be honest with you, you know, Kirk Ferentz is a good analogy. You know, they, this is like Kirk Ferentz 2, and now it's Kirk Ferentz 3. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say I'm probably on my fourth reinvention of myself, and that's primarily because kids and parents have changed. And I think coaches that are able to change with the times um, can have success. And so, unfortunately, a guy like uh, Chris Doyle has done a fantastic job. Uh, my guess is he probably wasn't very much different than he was 10 or 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. But as society has changed, it's just not acceptable anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're exactly right. And I think a guy that really helped me there was the, the legendary football coach from Northwestern College, uh, Bub Corver, Larry Corver. Mm-hmm. Um, I can remember sitting down and meeting with him and uh, man, I wanted X's and O's. I wanted motivation. And he looked me in the eye, and the first thing he said is, "Coaching is a calling." And uh, coach, if you're called to coach, then if the good Lord calls you to coach, then that's what you need to do. And you have to understand, coaching is about sacrifice. It's not about you. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, it's about those kids and you helping every kid, not just the star, not just the good ones, every single kid helping them grow as a player and as a person. And to be honest with you, I think like a lot of young coaches, very early in my career, it was my head was in the stars and falling in love with the spotlight. and. Um, so Larry Corver, in a very, very gentle way, rebuked me and uh, I think really made a significant impact on many, many student athletes because of what he did with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, uh, kids want to connect. They want a relationship. I think what's equally as hard is they want... Um, they don't necessarily want to be your friend, although they want to be able to connect with you. They want to look up to you. Mm-hmm. They want back to their coach. There has to be just a little bit of fear and awe, and uh, yet there has to be a comfort level, and that is very, very difficult to establish. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, one of the things I tell my students uh, the very first day of class Uh, among other things. But one of my staples every year, whether I've had the kids or not, uh, I always say, kids, I firmly believe that I can be your friend and your teacher 
but if you force me to choose, I'm going to be your teacher first because you have plenty of friends. And that seems to go a long, way, a long ways, and, and it's kind of the same thing I, I tell uh, the players as well. You know, I can, be, I can be your coach and I can be your friend, but, you know, the, me being your coach comes first because my job is to draw the best out of you, but I want to build that relationship with you so that we can have both of those things. And it sounds like to me that's uh, a lot of what you're saying here. Absolutely. I'm taking notes as you're talking right now. I like that, uh, friend and teacher. That's a great line because certainly I'm a classroom teacher as well. I think, um, you know, I share this with our assistant coaches all the time. Um, I think this is critical to coaching and teaching. It's not so much what the kids see in you. I gotta hang with me here. Okay. It's not what they see in me as a coach. It's what they see that I see in them. Mm-hmm. And so the interpretation is they're always calculating how does Coach Dion view me? Mm-hmm. What does he think of me? Mm-hmm. Does he like me? Does he respect me? Does he believe in me? Does he care about me? Does he really want what's best for me? And they can smell it a mile away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, it separates good from great. Um, I think it separates kids. Even if the victories aren't so great, it separates an average to a great experience. Because uh, I think when people really feel valued and cared for and believed in, Whatever happens, if we've given it our all at the end of the day, I think everybody feels pretty good. When you were talking about those changes that you made in your philosophy and and, and the conversation that you had with Coach Corver, what are some practical, uh, tangible things that you put into effect within your program to to change that? Uh, in the you know uh, the way you met with your players, perhaps, or uh, the way you structured your practices, or you know, what are just some some tangible things that uh, coaches who are listening to this right now and they're going, you know, I kind of feel I feel like I'm in that same boat right now, uh, but I'm not really sure how to change that. Uh, what are what are some things that you did that you know you could tangibly put down on paper, perhaps that you were conscientiously implemented into your program to change that vibe, to change that cultural issue that you were not comfortable with at that time sure well i want to compliment you again that is a very insightful question and uh yeah i would i would probably share a couple things with you um first and foremost um and i find myself doing this with with everybody but our athletes and students I really just try to get to know the person. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I meet with a kid, and it could be on the bus, um, honest to goodness, every year we go to Sheldon. It's one of the places I meet with every player, like before the girls' game, during the girls' game. I'll meet with them in a the locker room and, and just talk. But I'm always, I try to do that three or four times a year. I'm always finding out 
who they are, what's going on. Not not being nosy, that's not it. Sure. But just taking a real interest in who they are as people. Um, and it matters. And it makes coaching much more fun. Mm-hmm. Because I know the person that I'm dealing with. Because they're, they're not robots. They're not a piece of equipment. They're, they're a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're created in very unique ways, given unique gifts. And so I, I dig and I try to find their gifts just as a person. And I dig and I try to find uh, where they might struggle. And uh, it's it's amazing. I can't tell you how many times throughout the course of a practice those things just pop up. And I can communicate with guys at a whole other level that they so much appreciate and respond to and can get on board with. Because they're like, oh, Coach Young remembered that. He knows that about me. Mm-hmm. He really does see uh, what's going on. I would say a second thing is, you know, the players know that as coaches we are prepared they know we are knowledgeable. Uh, I know they have a great deal of confidence in us. But I do ask, actually more often than what people might believe, what do you think? Mm-hmm. What do you see? How do you feel? You're the player on the court. And ask them questions. And then I always tell them, just like I've told Scott Starkweather and Brady Baker, I will listen Trust me, I will listen and I will consider. Mm-hmm. If I don't, if I don't use it, don't feel bad. I'm, I'm trying to make a decision that's best for the program, and uh, that you know that's what I have to do. And then I think uh, probably the other thing is, you know, I, the blunt truth is. The, the work ethic today isn't what it was 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago. And pushing kids to, to go as hard as we did years ago, it's a trick. Um, it really is. And uh, <clears throat> before I could go in the first day of practice, and man, we could run through 20 brick walls and climb a couple of mountains and swim through a couple of shark-infested waters. And mm-hmm. kids would say, all right, coach, what's next? What do you got next for me? Yeah. And nowadays, before they dip their toes in the water, they'd have to know why and they'd have to know what the purpose is. And it's, it's very, very different. So I think we get there eventually, but um, it takes a while. And, um, I have to do a lot of explaining as to why and what the purpose is uh, rather than just telling them uh, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Well, do you think that's what, – what do, you, what do you think the reasons are for that in that regard? Well, <clears throat> that's the million-dollar question because it's a frustration that teachers have across the board. Um overall work ethic. I certainly think social media is a component of that because ability to communicate 
um, is very difficult. Mm-hmm. We live in a hyper, 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 hyper sensitive culture. Um, <clears throat> everything, um, everybody seems to be offended about everything. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, to be honest with you, Marty, <clears throat> if I don't have a relationship with those kids and those kids don't trust me, mm-hmm. And I don't trust them. Um, and there's a lot of things coaches just wouldn't even dare to do nowadays. Yeah. Um, and that's to be sterile and walk around in an environment where people are just walking on eggshells. That's no fun. Yeah. So I like to really inject my personality, my character. I'd like to draw that out of our guys. And with that, uh, there's gray areas. There's things we have to work through, how to do that appropriately. And again, that takes trust and knowing who that player is, and knowing who your coach is. And yeah, just a lot of challenges nowadays that can be very, very draining for coaches, and that's why, again, you need a really good coaching staff. I think you need good administration, and uh, you need to be in a good community. Yep. Well, you, you have you have nailed all of those attributes, and, and that is why you've done the things that you've done. So uh, we're going we're gonna to pivot here a little bit, Coach. Uh, we're going to hit our Don Meyer quote of the day. Uh, the goat Don Meyer, uh, and if you want to, co- uh, if you want to uh, comment on this quote, you sure can. It's it's again, it's it's serendipitous. Uh, so often, uh, I, I pick out these quotes well beforehand, and then we start talking, and the quote seems to fit uh, exactly what we're talking about during the podcast here. So, uh, feel free to to comment on this, Coach. Uh, the Don Meyer quote of the day is: Discover your gift, develop your gift. And then give it away every day. Well, I I got goosebumps right now because <laughs> uh, I've been to multiple Don Meyer clinics. Um, I've listened to him. I've read his notes. Um, Don Meyer, what an incredible man, and what impact he's made on the game and on so many people that will never meet him just mm-hmm. through coaches and um, no doubt that has impacted Dutchman basketball mm-hmm. um, we're, we're subtle with with our branding but we have a mission statement and then uh, with our mission statement uh, we have two other little sayings one is MTC more than a championship and uh, the other is COU, Celebrate, Offer, Unite. And the COU really comes from Don Meyer as Celebrate Your Gift. And, and we live in a world of comparison, which uh, is the thief of all joy. Coaches compare, parents yep. compare, players compare. And honestly, it's one of the things I'm doing when I'm when I'm with our players, I'm trying to figure out what their gifts are. I'm trying to help them discover. And then I celebrate with them. Mm-hmm. And we encourage them. Offer that to your team. Offer. Figure out what you got and offer that. And everybody's different. 
and we know from player number 15 to player number one. I mean, just so many varying gifts, and that's where Larry Corbett, back in 1997, was like, Coach, you got to work with them all, celebrate them all, and what a difference that's made. Um, and then, you know, the trick is, can you take all of those gifts and make them one great, strong, powerful team? Mm-hmm. And sometimes that requires me to to step up in some areas and step back in others. And I view every player as a leader and every player as a follower at some point in time in a practice game bus ride or whatever and uh so that'd be my response to don meyer love it awesome awesome well one of the staples of your program is your defensive philosophy and pressuring the basketball and attacking the basketball uh your pressing defensive system and the things that you've done uh coach i'm just going to kind of turn the floor over to you and i might excuse me i might interrupt a little bit with a question that might pop up as i'm listening uh, let, let's let's talk about your your defense. I'm gonna, I'm going to turn it all over to you and and just go into the nitty gritty of uh, what makes Dutchman defense uh, the entity that it is year in and year out. Yeah, well, I'll I'll begin with you talked about um, you know having to change and adjust, and I feel like coaches have to do that um, quite a bit because at the high school level, um, and I don't mean just change and adjust to the, the tastes and preferences of the day, and uh, kids are different, and parents are different, and society's different. I'm talking about the talent that you have on the roster, and uh, the personality, I think, is as important as anything, is who are the people that you're coaching? And... Uh, so I started out way back in the day, uh, Bobby Knight, butt to the ball, uh, total denial defense, absolutely, and uh, took us to a state championship and, you know, just loved every minute of it and thrived on it. And, and then pretty soon it just wasn't as, effective, wasn't as effective anymore in motion offenses and backdooring and Ran into Dave Irwin from Lamar's who killed us on a backdoor fast, and <laughs> so we had to uh, we had to change. And uh, you know, and then I had been told for years that actually by Bobby Knight that you couldn't win a championship pressing. And uh, so many people have said that. So I really, you know, enjoyed maybe taking on the challenge to say, could we do that? And in the mid-2000s, we just had a group of guys that were just, man, I, I tell you what, all they wanted to do is just go punch you in the mouth and keep doing it. <laughs> and so... Those are fun teams to coach, by the way. Oh, my word. I, yeah. We had more fun in practice than you can imagine. Yeah. Um, just a pleasure. And... Uh, so we just had a ball pressing and it would be 84 feet for 32 minutes and we would never stop. Mm-hmm. Um, 
then we had to make a little bit of transformation again, just style of kid coming through and maybe a little bit different talent. And so then it was sprinkling the press and um, throw it at you and take it off and vary the kinds of presses that it was. And, and then the last five years, it's been two, three zone. Um, just fascinating, never dreamt would have ever done that and that's what we've done um, but I can tell you my favorite my favorite is the press and uh, I think you know coaches have to do things that they enjoy doing they have to uh, inject their personality into the offense and the defense of what's going on and it's nothing more fun and I grew up in a family with five siblings in the 70s and early 80s, and it was, man, I tell you what, it was a rough time mm. and uh, fun. I had a great family. Uh-huh. Tough town, a hall, um, a lot of, lot of competition, certainly some fighting going on. It was just the way it was. Yeah. And, uh, Guys from Sheldon or some scary dudes. <laughs> oh, come on now. Come on yeah, now. We just had to, so I, I love a fight. Um, I love being in the fight. And uh, when it's all said and done, I, I at least want the other team, even if they win, I want them to know that we were there. Yeah. I want them to know that they, they were here and uh, they won't forget us too quick. So yeah. that's the and so pressing really fits into that because it it just really really wears on you. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you? Uh, what are some things that you do? And and again, you you've talked about you had different groups, and some of it's just the group that you have. You you had a group of guys that just wanted to get after it, and that's all they wanted to do, and that's the way that they were. That's the way that they were wired. But what what are some things that? you do to to build that within your practices maybe some some drill work or some concepts that that you put into place to create that aggressive mindset within your kids so that when they get to friday night and the scoreboard turns on they're they're really ready to get after it aggressively i have to tell you coaching the brass is very very hard Mm -hmm. Uh, it's very very demanding it takes a lot of effort and so um, that's number one. And as a coach, you got to be ready to bring your A game every single night. Mm-hmm. And the next thing you have to do is you have to, um, you know, there's a proverb in, in the Bible that says, without vision, the people perish. It also is a very corporism. And uh, so the guys on your team have to have a picture, they have to see able to see what it involves because when you press the highs and the lows are dramatic Uh, the ebbs and the flows the momentum shifts it is not for the faint of heart (laughs) it's not oh i agree i agree you you have to have uh an aggressive 
almost a gambler's type of mindset and I'm just going to outlast you. I'm mentally going to outlast you and you think you're ready to go and you if you think you can take it five steps, well, you know what? I'm going six or seven and if you take it seven, I'm going eight and nine. And I think that's the mindset you have to have as a coach when you are trying to implement that type of style. So I, I, I laugh because I definitely can relate. Yeah, it's... Uh, and. Yeah, like I said, the players have to have that vision. They have to understand what it's going to take. They have to know what what's about to unfold because they're all excited. Oh, we get to press. Well, the problem with pressing is it's all about failure. Mm-hmm. It's all about responding to failure. That, to me, is really the key to the press. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, you're pressuring in the full court, your guy is going to get past you. In fact, if you're going to run a jump press, you want him to. Like, that's kind of what you're baiting him to do. But if you're trapping, well, obviously, they're going to throw the ball out of the trap. Mm-hmm. And so it's what you do and how you respond when that ball is passed ahead and you're behind the play because the immediate instinctive response is, I got beat. Mm-hmm. And its instinctive response is to just pause. Just a quick pause. To, even if they don't put their head down, I think mentally they put their head down. And then it's like, oh yeah, that's right, I got to get back on defense. Well, then it's too late. It's game over. Mm-hmm. It cannot be that way. So you have to have the mindset and then you got to drill over and over and over and over again and that takes work that's tiring it's demanding and they need to experience that and then um tom davis um i remember him at a clinic in minneapolis probably late 90s um telling how important it is to chart your defense and the reason and this is 100% true he said the reason you need to chart especially when you're pressing is because of the failure or the perceived failure and failure inability to see the big picture because you have media you have parents you have fans you have players so it's interesting in a press when you give up a layup, people think the world's coming to an end. <laughs> like, you gotta get out of the press. Or you give up a corner three. You They gotta get out of the press, it's killing them. And you know, Tom Davis lived that as a Hawkeye coach. Yep. And so he would always chart it, and he would come into the locker room at halftime, and then post game, and then the next day, and let them know. Uh, what the statistics were and he said the players were always surprised the media was always surprised and even he himself was surprised at really how effective it was but you know it's that perception of what's going on and early early when we pressed um, we were charting and then I kind of got away from it and uh, we had a game where yeah, I found out the next day that one of the players, one of the seniors in our locker room, 
was very upset and complaining about the press and how bad it sucked and what a bad defense it was. And that was, at this time, we were spotting different presses and changing it up. And we called it yellow. But anyhow, um, the fact of the matter was, um, over the course of that season, it was our most effective defense. And even in that game, mm-hmm. it was a most effective defense. And we're talking... You know, we're winning 20 games a year at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what was interesting is all the guys in the locker room now have a seed of doubt about this defense. And so a little birdie came along and told me what had happened in the locker room. And so I was wise enough to go, before we practiced the next day, I wrote out the entire you're probably seven games into the season, all seven games, every defense, but before the chart times in, you know, whatever. And uh, I asked the guys before I gave them that information, what's our best defense? Okay, what's our next best? What's our and what's our worst? Well, all the hands went up. The worst defense was yellow. Mm-hmm. In reality, it was our best, mm-hmm. and so. When the guys saw the statistic of by game and our season, all heads in the room turned to that one player. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it it really was a key moment um, in our team mm-hmm. because the next time we went into it, confidence level is much higher. The reality of that situation was that player got beat a couple of times, and that was his way of coping with his failure. Um, Love the guy. I I don't have a problem with the kid. That's not my point. But talking, pressing, um, it's demanding, and it's mental, and um, the Tom Davis charting it so they can see the results to keep their confidence up is important because if you don't do that, I don't think you can press as a coach. I, you know, you bring that up, and I wrote this down while you were talking. Um, and, and I know you've heard this axiom before, Coach. Um, you know, you you ask your team, uh, "Hey, do you guys want to? You guys want to press? Do you want to run? Do you want to get up and down the floor?" And of course, that's what all players say that they want to do, unless you're, you know, a, a lumbering center or something like that, you know, no, I would just get me down to the block so I could post up here. But, but most kids are going to say, I want to run. I want to press. I want to get up and down. Yeah. I want to do this. And okay. If that's what you want to do, uh, that's great. But do you realize how hard you have to play and how hard you have to work for the duration of the game, regardless of level that you're at? And I think players are really, uh, there, there's there's a lot of players that say they want to press and run, but there's not a lot of players that are willing to work hard enough to press and run effectively at all times. Uh, has that been your experience, Coach? You're 100% right. and uh, But I think a, a huge part of that, I think a major part of that is what I said earlier. When the ball's passed over your head or the ball's dribbled past you for that brief moment, discouragement cannot set in, but the instant is, oh, and just to get down. And then it's such a subtle thing that, okay, I'm going to hustle back. I'm going to hustle back again because I have to, you know, whatever. And uh, 
pretty soon that gets hard, especially if, you know, the other team hits a shot or gets an offensive rebound, which is a sin, by the way, when you're pressing offensive boards. But um, so them understanding the bigger picture, too, you actually want the ball to kind of get past you uh, when you're everybody's pumped about the trap. Yeah, I think. But you two trappers are of no value. You are totally worthless once the ball's passed over your head. You have got to get back into the play. And you have to understand, as trappers, you're not going to get the steal. Your job is to be selfless. Get your hands up. Don't break the glass. Do not foul. Keep a perfect 90-degree angle. And force them to throw a bounce or a lob pass that your teammates can pick off or maybe tip the pass so that your teammates can pick it off. And even in reality beyond that, you're probably not going to get a steal anyhow. Mm-hmm. Players have to know that. You said it at the beginning. We're going to out-tough you and outlast you in the last four minutes of the fourth quarter. The game's ours. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the mentality. And I would be totally remiss if I didn't mention Craig Steensma on this. Um, he taught me probably more about the press than anybody else. Um, he was uh, Jim Acoff's assistant at Western. Then he became the girls' coach at Western. Then he became the Hepdor women's coach. And uh, he is a junkie on the press and trapping and I've learned so much from them. Mm-hmm. So what, what are you guys doing? Um, when it comes to one of the things that I think, um, you know, the, what, what makes high school boys basketball so great in Northwest Iowa is if you leave a kid open, he's going to hit that shot. There, there is just, no room for error defensively as you know so we're going to switch a little bit from defense to offense you have to be so on top of your game defensively because so many teams don't just have one shooter or two shooters but you're most of the the schools you're going to play against on a nightly basis are going to have three, four, five shooters at a time on the floor. And that just comes with development and program development. And, and your, your squads have, have had that over the years, Coach. What are, what are some things that you've done uh, to, to help develop your shooters in your program so by the time that they're hitting uh, the varsity level, uh, they are able to stretch those defenses and, and knock down shots from, from all over the court uh, as a group and as, as individuals and then therefore as individuals as a team. Sure. Well, I'm going to just quick go back a minute to defense. I was feeling really good, Marty, until you started talking about all the shooters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think it's in the water in the Floyd River, Coach. Oh, my gosh. It, but you nailed it. It's like, man, people can shoot up here. They can really, really shoot. And uh, it's it can be really, really demoralizing. Um, but I, I think I would go back to the press really quick, and I'm going to qualify if the coach has the energy, if the coach has the knowledge, if the players have the mental toughness, if the players 
have some good leadership so we can stick together when it doesn't go well. I think you can get into those shooters' legs, and I think you can disrupt timing and rhythm, and I think at the end of the game, that shot gets a lot more difficult for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, from an offensive coach uh, standpoint, um, yeah, I'd, I'd share a couple things with you. Um, first of all, we're really blessed up here in Orange City in 19... I don't know, 95, 96, somewhere around there. Uh, B.J. Mulder started something called Best Shooting. And uh, it's a shooting school. Uh, B.J. has worked with probably 70,000 students over the course of time. Wow. Uh, He's worked with... You know, the Chinese national team, he's been flown to California to work with small colleges. He's worked with Kansas State. He's worked with, well, um, who's the guy? Gazelle from... Uh, oh, Mike Gazelle. Dallas City. Yep. Uh, he's worked with Nate Funk, who ended up unbelievable at Creighton. Um, he's just worked with so many... Um, players that have ended up being really really successful and so bj and i are really close friends uh he comes to our school twice a week in the summer i've heard him for years and uh, have taken really good notes so i think we got some things that we're able to teach that are effective having bj himself instills confidence in guys um no doubt and then BJ himself and trust me uh, to run some of his sites and so you know I think what's critical is having the technique and then just lots of repetitions and then I I think the key to developing shooters is um, shooters got to know that the coach has their back that they're not going to get yanked if they miss one or two Mm-hmm. And Marty, this gets to be hard when you have multiple shooters on your team. Mm-hmm. Um, it it sounds kind of crazy, but we've beaten many teams over the years that have had more and better shooters than we've had. And the reason is um, you still need to know who you want to have take your shots when and where. There's got to be a little bit of a rhyme or a reason. And sometimes teams with a lot of good shooters. It's kind of random when it unfolds. So I think a coach has to be very clear with his team. You know, what kind of shots do we want? And when do we take those shots? Who takes those shots? And yet not handcuff them. Does that make sense to you? Well, my question to you is how do you do that? <laughs> because I, I, that's the way uh, most of us think. Um, but... You, you, you know you know how it goes. Well, coach told me not to shoot today. Well, no. No, Jimmy. Just don't shoot that shot in that situation from that spot is what, you know. So, But that's the way they hear it. So go ahead. I'm sorry. You're exactly right. And then this is where mom and dad don't help. And, <laughs> and anybody that might have not made the team in the past their parents don't help because they're being critical you yeah know. dinner table problems that's what we always yeah. called it yep yeah. um 
I'll, I'll tell you a quick story to answer your question. Uh, we had a game, and uh, actually uh, it was, um, I'm trying to think. Um, yeah, okay, we did win the conference uh, that year, um, but um, I think we ended up tying. We could have won it outright, but we were playing a game, and uh, um, we were behind, and we were making our comeback, and we were we were living on the inside game, and uh, they couldn't stop us, and I really felt like we were going to win. Mm-hmm. There was no question in my mind we were going to win this game. And uh, we get down to the end of the game, and the guys all knew where we wanted to go. And one of our guys um, got an open three before we threw it inside. I mean, I'm, I'm okay if it touches the post guy and you shoot it. But before it went in, he got an open look, and he took it. And uh, missed. And long rebound, run out, layup, and we ended up getting beat. I think it was by one or two, and that really was it. It, it, it was the game breaker, to be uh-huh. honest with you. And uh, if you're going to be a good coach, you got to have a great wife, and my wife is <laughs> working. But I'm telling you, I got chewed out really hard that night when I got home. I'm like, it's like. What are you doing letting so-and-so shoot such-and-such a shot? You know it causes me. I'm like, just settle down. It's going to be okay. No, we would have been outright conference champions, and it cost us the game. And tomorrow, when you go to weightlifting, I expect you to go talk to him and make sure he never does that again because this team could make it to state this year. So that was the conversation. And... uh, I said, honey, uh, just relax. I will talk to him, but I want you to know I am not going to discourage him in any way, shape, or form. So I did. I and uh, I think this is wise. I asked the player. I said, I'm just curious. Um, you know, you took that shot. You know, why did you take it? Um, in the context of what was going on, what were you thinking? And then I asked him, would you do it again? And he said, most definitely, Coach. I'd take that shot again, no doubt. And I said, well, good for you. And uh, I I did throw a little caveat in there, just said, hey, you know, if possible, if we could get it in first, I'd like that. I think it's healthy. I think it's a little better shot for you the next time. Yes, Coach, was his response. Well, you're never going to guess what happened in Substate. Though, or, uh, <laughs> I'm, you know? I'm going to guess he had another look. Yeah, and it was the third quarter, and uh, it was Sioux City Elon, and they threw their dreaded 1-3-1 half-court trap at us, which struck fear into everybody. Mm-hmm. And they had a little point guard by the name of Shane Graves. who was. Like, oh, yeah, I, I know Shane, yep. Yeah, 36-2 and two in tournament play and uh, never loses a tournament game, never lost a district or a sub-state game. And uh, the same young man on our team, they went to their 1-3-1 trap, and our guys kind of started looking around, and he got an open look, and bingo, he let her fly, and it, it was a tight game. And the next time down the court, guess who got an open look, and guess who let it fly, and guess who made it? Mm-hmm. Thank God. 
And so it's delicate, Marty. Um, so I think you teach a lot of principles, but at the end of the day, you can never have a shooter doubting himself. And uh, I, that's my strong philosophy. So I, that player felt my support, and uh, he was free to do it. And uh, I, I just think shooters, you don't mess with them. Yeah. I think one of the things that I've tried to do, especially with, with my, my new team and, and trying to give the, the kids some confidence is, you know, here's the, here's the shot we want to take and, and evaluating them on film. Here's a couple of things that I've done it with two or, you know, this is what I've done with two or three kids. And then I'll talk about one or two other kids. Uh, but kind of our two or three kids, it's like, well, yeah, you know, you know, I'm watching them play and, you know, you can, you can shoot it a little bit, you know, but it's when you're on balance and, and too often they were taking shots that were not on balance or it was a poor pass. So therefore they, they, you know, they didn't hit them in the shot pocket, but they still shot it anyway, even though, you know, so, so forth and so on. So one of the things that I've, I've told them is, Hey, I'm okay with you shooting threes. I'm okay with you shooting a lot of threes, but let's shoot 75 really good threes over the course of the season rather than 125 bad ones you know just because we feel like we should shoot it right now and and so here and then you know well here's what i mean when you're when your shoulders are forward when you're on balance when you're going to the rim when the ball is coming from the inside of the lane and kicking it out to you those are the ones take 75 of those and you're going to be in better shape than taking 125 of the ones that you took last year is is a way that I've tried to sell it with with some of those kids and then uh, a couple of other kids you know we we did a thing we we counted shots this summer and and the the last thing I want to talk to you about is you know player development and some things that you guys do in the off season but you know I've I've told a couple of kids who put in some really good work this summer hey you know what you've earned I, I see how much your shot has improved so when we get into this, if you keep doing what you're doing, you've earned the right to take this shot here because I've seen you get better at it, and I want you to know I'm okay when you shoot that shot in those opportunities. And and I think that's a way, you know, building those relationships and talking to those kids and bringing it down and showing them those things. Here is, uh, you know, here's the situations that this is, it, it's not, I'm not limiting you, but here's when it's best for you. And this is look for these situations because this is when you're at your best. And instead of trying to tell them what not to do, which we which we all fall into from time to time, it's emphasizing this is when you're really good and pushing them to that place so that they know, okay, I'm going to try and hunt this because coach really believes in me when I get to this spot. Um, that, that's a couple of things I've tried to do with some of our kids. Hey, Marty, I'm taking notes again over here. <laughs> and I really, really liked what you said about being in balance and a rhythm shot. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's key. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it's a testament, too, of how you approach your players, of how different things are, because in 1991... 92 when I started at MOC Floyd Valley, I could just say, don't ever shoot that shot again. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to put your butt on the bench. I mean, and kids are good with that. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> well, you're the guidance counselor, so you could have you could have you could help them through it anyway. So, pro- you, they 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 probably would have gone to somebody else in the office. I'm guessing in that situation. I'll say this too, though. This is fascinating to me that uh, I never pick who we're going to run the play for. I always ask the guys. Um, okay, guys, we need a three. And I need five guys out here. Who do you guys want to have to take this shot? And it's amazing to me. They, they pick the right guy every time. Mm-hmm. And then I go, all right, well, if Joe is covered, who's the next guy? Who, 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 do, you want, who do you next want to take that shot? And uh, I think that is a very powerful motivator. I think it gives confidence to the guy that, get selected but I also think the other guys are like okay I see what's going on here and I am a part of a team I do have to be a little bit wise about when I'm taking shots Mm -hmm. I think it matters yep yep um real quick here coach uh we're running the uh, this has been a great conversation uh but I know you've got some places you you got to get to here uh uh, along with the shooting, what are some other things that you guys do in your improvement season for for player development uh, so that Jimmy as a sophomore comes back better as, as Jimmy the junior on a yearly basis? Because obviously with the sustained, sustained success that you guys have had, your, your player development program uh, has been you know, top notch. So, so what are the things that you emphasize? How do you structure things during your improvement season to help your kids get consistently better? You've, you've pointed out they're, they're really hard workers, but what situations do you put them in to take those hard workers and, and even, uh, accelerate that development? Well, I'm going to talk about the uniqueness of a small community, rural community. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I think you got an incredible advantage in Omaha. I think people in Sioux City have an incredible advantage. People by Sioux Falls or Des Moines or Ames. Mm-hmm. We don't have, you know, massive arenas with seven courts that, you know, there are AAU coaches or individual coaches out there, um, you know, to work with your guys. Um, our kids have to do it on their own. Um, if they're going to do the AAU thing, they have to travel. We have very few AA player, AAU players in our program. And it, it's a it's quite a commitment for them, time and money. Yep. And so the next thing is, in a smaller community, um, you got baseball and football and track and golf and soccer and for those sports to be successful, you know, your kids need to be playing those other sports. And uh, and now everybody, the football coaches now have off-seasons, and the baseball coaches have, you know, pretty stringent off-seasons, and the soccer coaches are having an open gym in their off-season. So everybody wants a piece of these kids, and there's a really fine line uh, we got to walk because eventually I think that kid and those parents can just be burned out yep. and feel 
or a piece of piece of meat. And so, um, one of the things that I think we do a pretty good job of is we're very honest with the kids, and we ask them to be honest with us and say, okay, music, sports, you know, whatever it is, farming, your job, you know, can you just list off three or four of your uh, passions? All right, now, can you rank them? And tell me, please, where does basketball fit? Honestly, I don't care. You just tell me where does it fit. <clears throat> and I think the key to a good program is coaches in those communities, there's usually, you know, you like to have three or four, maybe five guys, maybe six, nine through 12, that would say, hey, basketball is my passion. Okay. Those are the guys you really need to target and have some high expectations for. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And then the other guys, you continue to encourage them, you build them up, you watch them, take interest in their other passions and sports, and you get as much out of them as you can. And so we get really four weeks in the summer uh, mm -hmm. with all of them. And we get them for an hour. And what we do in that hour is pretty um, structured. And uh, our structure is we have to determine what's our priorities. Shooting, number one. Ball handling, number two. And then, Marty, it's a lot harder to coach offense and defense. Mm-hmm. And getting five guys to mesh on offense is extremely difficult. And so we'll spend at least a half hour on our offense, our offensive concepts, our offensive schemes to let them feel and interact and develop those. Um, and then from July, August, September, and October, uh, we just continually meet with guys, and if they have a, and here's the other thing, has, you know, different passions, different amount of time that you're going to put in shooting the ball. And so you have to figure out that part, and then, all right, you're going to shoot it. What shots are you going to take? You have to educate them what shots are good for you. What should you be doing? And then you put it in their hands and you let them set goals. How much time do I want to spend doing that? And I think by treating kids differently and uh, giving all kids things to work on, they all come out of there happy. They all come out of there feeling valued. And you hope that the passionate ones have some athleticism because those are your really key guys. Mm-hmm. I was pretty passionate. I just had zero athleticism. So, um, but, you know, I, I totally understand what you're saying there. So, but Marty, with that, <clears throat> you, if you're really passionate, I had no athleticism myself. You need to make a three. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was the only thing I could do, coach. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you stretch the defense. You. You're a, a thorn in my side. you got to worry about that guy. That guy's there. You've now contributed to the team, and you get to experience some joy 
because you're going to knock down that shot. And even if you don't, you're a threat and you stress the defense and maybe created an offensive rebound because you were a threat because the defense had to close out extra hard on you. Yep. Uh, I think that's what's fun. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah, finding those roles and, and, and getting the puzzle pieces to fit together in the way that you want it to. Yep. 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 Coach, this has been absolutely awesome. I'm so uh, pleased that uh, you were willing to to come on here uh, this morning into early this afternoon. Uh, I, I hope you've uh, really enjoyed your time on the podcast here today. You know, I have, and uh, the good Lord has uh, given me a passion, I think, for helping people grow and get better as a player and as a person. And uh, I think it's been uh, important in this community. I think kids feel and know Coach Neon wants them to grow as a person as much as a player. And, uh, and I think they see me wanting to grow as a coach and as a person. And I think it's highly motivating to be a part of something like that. And uh, I'm grateful to the good Lord for uh, this community in this area. Um, it's just been a lot of fun. And uh, I really appreciate our time together. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Yeah, it's, it's been terrific for me. Um, you know, it's it's uh, you, you were putting the years together. Um, you started out at MOC my senior year at Sheldon. Um, and I remember when Coach Barry took the Northwestern job and, and you moved into the position there. So go dust off your Sheldon Oreb scouting reports from the 91-92 season. And I don't know, maybe I was on there at some point. Uh, if you get it. I know you were. Todd Barry had them all handwritten. <laughs> and saved them. And I have Okay. Well, I would be I would be interested if you get if you get a minute. Uh, let's see if I if I if I cracked the Dutchman scouting report back in the early nineties. So, oh, trust me, I remember reading about you. Oh, I appreciate yeah. it. So, uh, why don't you hold the line here? I got to wrap up a couple things, and uh, we'll we'll get this all uh, taken care of here, Coach um, Lauren DeYoung. Uh, the boys basketball coach at MOC Floyd Valley uh, in Orange City, Iowa. Can't thank him enough for his time today. Again, we want to thank our sponsor, COSAC Chiropractic, for coming on the podcast or for sponsoring the podcast. Again, if you're in need of services, don't hesitate to give Dr. Kevin or Dr. Heidi a call at 402-964-0300. Follow us on Twitter at Pen and a Napkin. Uh, download, rate, and review the podcast. Give us five stars. And, of course, if you have any questions, comments, suggestions, or ideas, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. My name is Marty Plum. Uh, this has been Lauren DeYoung. Uh, just a terrific conversation here today. Uh, so many good things that came out of this. Uh, we were both writing notes on each other, so that was, that was good. Uh, coaches, as always, let's pray for peace, let's stay safe, and let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.